Well, my wife and I are very different people. Um, I'm someone who, I don't mind a mess in the house, and honestly, I'm the one who causes uh, most of the messes in our house. Um, but I'm someone who, I like to live all day, right? Like, hey, let's enjoy the day. We can, we can destroy the house. Um, it's, if it's messy, if there's dishes in the sink, like, it's all right. Like, we'll clean them up at the end of the day or the end of the week, right? That's my, that's my plan. But my wife, she's very, very different from me, and God bless her, and I need it, because if I was the one, you know, making all the decisions like that, we'd always have a messy house. But she's a type of person who, if there's one dish in the sink, but the rest of the house is spotless, like, she needs to clean that dish. Otherwise, she can't focus on anything. And I'm just thinking, like, hey, like, why don't we just, you know, just spend the day trashing the house, and at the end of the day, we can clean it all. It's fine. It's not a big deal at all. So this is why I love Fridays. Because I'm a, so I'm a pastor, so I get, you know, I, I, work, I work Sunday, so I get Friday off. And Izzy and I, we get to hang out the whole day. We get to destroy the house. And it's fine because I'm not told to clean it up right away. I get to spend the whole day in a messy house. I just get to enjoy it, right, all day long. But one of the greatest gifts that I've ever been given on this whole thing is find my So when moan. Now, if you have Find My Friends on your iPhone, you know why this is so great. You can track people. So when Maddie is at work, I know when she leaves. So when the house is destroyed, it looks like a tornado is just ravaged through the whole house. When she's leaving work, I know. And now I go into that mode of like, okay, pretty soon I got to clean up. But I track her and I say, okay, now she's in Minneapolis. So still got a little more time before I got to clean up. Now she's in Forest Lake, so we're getting close. I still got a little more time before I clean up. But when she hits Stacy, and I can see that on my phone, that's when Izzy and I go into cleaning mode. And I'm thinking, we're going to take this EF5 tornado, bring it down to an EF1, and we're going to make my wife happy. So husbands in the room, I just gave you a life hack, okay? If you need to use it to, to make your life better, do it, because it works so well. And I'm not just thinking this is a joke. I do this every single week. It works so well. It's amazing how far we've come with GPS, right? It's it saved marriages. It's told us where we are. It's told us how to get places. I mean, think back to when you were a kid or even like 10, 15 years ago, right? How far we've come with navigation technology. I remember driving through scenic Nebraska uh, on the way to Arizona about 15 years ago. And we came, we were driving through an interstate. We came to this point on the road where it was completely flooded, road blocked off, traffic backed up about a mile. My mom pulls out a map from the, a map, yeah, from the glove box, spreads it along the dashboard and pencils her way around the interstate to get to a new spot on the interstate so we can keep driving. I know that sounds foreign to a lot of us, right? But we used to pull out maps and actually pencil our ways through, right? Because that's what life was like. And I remember planning this trip to Arizona with my dad. We spread out a giant atlas on our kitchen table. And we literally, we traced a pencil line all the way to Arizona through all the freeways interstates. And we knew which route was shortest because there's a little, um, what do you call it, a key at the bottom right, right? Where you can measure by inch by how many miles, like that's what people used to do to get places, which is amazing. So when you look at your phone and technology and the GPS that comes with it, it's simply, everything has completely changed, right? It's, the whole game has completely changed. You know exactly where you're at and at any point in time, just by looking at Google Maps, which is, it's, it's crazy. It's super cool. But that's the question I want to, I want to bring into you as we talk about where we're at on the map, right? We're talking about how we use GPS. This is the question I want to ask you about that. If I were to ask you, if God knows where you are, are you a follower of Jesus, what would you say? I'll ask you a different question or a different way. 
If I asked God, are you a Christian? What would he say about you? This is what our whole message is about tonight, today as we end our foolproof series. And this is my favorite way to end it. Because this whole series, we've gone through relationships. We've gone through communication. We've gone through how to better your life in different ways. But there is no truer, more clearer way to better your life than by giving it to Jesus. And by having him know who you are. If you are a follower of Jesus... And you are confident in that. That is the absolute best place you can be. You can be poor. You can live in a terrible part of town. You can have bad relationships. You can have bad things that have happened to you in your past. But all of those things can be healed, can be reconciled, and you can be given peace because you have Jesus. That's the good news of who Jesus is. It's no matter what we've been through, no matter what we've gone through, no matter what's been done to us, no matter what we've done, we have Jesus and we're set. That's the good news that we're going to be talking about today. But that question of, are we a follower of Jesus or not, is one of the most important questions that we have to ask ourselves as people who come to church regularly. Because it's so easy to go through the motions. It's so easy to do some religious stuff, to check off some boxes, to do what we feel like we think that we're supposed to do as Christian people, but to miss the point completely. And I've been on both sides of this conversation. You know, I've been a Christian for about, you know, 10, 12 years. And I've been in sermons, I've heard sermons, and I've, I've preached sermons on how Jesus died for our sins and he resurrected for our freedom. And every time I hear that message, it gives me joy. Right? Because Jesus died for me. Isn't that insane? As we, let's just stop and remember and think about it, right? Jesus died for your sins, and now you get to go to heaven and live with him for eternity. Think of how bad of a person you are, right? I think of how bad of a person I am, the mistakes that I've made, the sins that I've committed, the things I still do today, which are still terrible, but God saved me. That's a beautiful message. That should give us joy. Don't let that feel like a message that's just being repeated and it falls on deaf ears. Remember the joy of your salvation. God has saved you. He's redeemed you. He's reconciled you. He's given you peace. You don't deserve it, I don't deserve it, but that's what he gives us. And so every time I hear a message like this, I just have joy. I, just, I feel so thankful. But I've also been on the other side of the argument, the other side of the conversation, where somebody says, hey, how do you know if you're a follower of Jesus, or are you a follower of Jesus? And I know 100% for a fact that I'm not. Back when I was a teenager at Meadow Creek Church down in Andover, Pastor Randy O'Brien would get up almost every single Sunday and preach the gospel message to us. And as a teenager who was making some pretty bad choices, and not just my choices were bad, but I didn't want to follow Jesus. I had no interest in it. Did not seem like the life I wanted to live. I was not ready for that at all. And every time I heard this gospel message, it was like unnerving. Because I knew what the consequences were. I had heard the truth. It's either you put your life and your faith in Jesus or you live life on your own and the day you die, you are in hell for eternity. And I knew that reality and I believed in it. But I wasn't ready to make that decision to follow Jesus. And so I know what it's like to sit in a room and hear the gospel being preached and hear that you can have freedom but choosing not to do it. And the consequences are drastic. And so we're gonna read a passage from Matthew chapter seven today. 
about how you can absolutely know, how you can have confidence that you are a true follower of Jesus. So a little bit of context into this passage. Jesus is finishing up preaching one of the greatest sermons he's ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking to his disciples and he's talking to a whole crowd about what it means to be a follower, what it means to be a Christian. And he's just got done saying, hey, it means you gotta be trustworthy. It means you gotta be kind. It means you gotta be humble. It means you gotta be all these things. And at the very end of the sermon, this is what he says. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name perform many miracles and in your name drive out demons? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now this is a a very interesting passage because what Jesus is saying is that there are people in life there are people in this world who call Jesus Lord, right? He says, Lord, Lord. There are people that call Jesus Lord. There are people that call Jesus their God. They say that they are Christians, that they, are, they follow him. We see, he's saying that there are some of those people that don't actually know him. They're these false followers of Jesus. There are these people that think they're following Jesus. There are these people that think they're on the right path, but they're not. Now, before we jump into why they're not, I want to be very careful with this passage too, because I've sat in sermons before and I've heard this passage preached many, many times, and here's how it usually goes. Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you sure you're a follower of Jesus? No, let's get to the heart of it. Are you sure? sure? And you're thinking, yes, yes, I've given my life to him. Are you sure you follow Jesus? Honestly, I've I've been in these sermons and it feels like I'm being strangled. Like, are you sure you're a follower of Jesus? I'm sitting there like, yes. I think so. I know so. I don't know anymore, right? I don't want you to question. I don't want you to fear. Like, hey, I've been following Jesus for a long time. I, I love Jesus. I love God. And I know he loves me. But now I'm not sure because Jesus just said, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, if you know for a fact that you're a Christian, right? I'm not here to confuse you. I'm not here to bring fear to your life. Honestly, I feel like that's somewhat abusive to come to you and say, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? We got to ask the question, right? But if you're, a, if you're a saved person, if you're following Jesus, be confident in that. You're his child. You can't lose that. There's nothing that you can do to separate yourself from his love. Okay, so be confident in that. But who are these people, right, that are the false disciples? Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. What are these three things that these people just did, or that these people had been doing? They're prophesying. They're casting out demons. They're performing miracles. All of these things happen by the power of God. All of these things are very religious things. Things that secular people People that have nothing to do with religion would never do. And so here's the warning in this passage that Jesus is trying to say. He's saying that we can do religious things. We can say, I go to church, so I'm a Christian. I pray before my meals, so I'm a Christian. I've read the Bible before, so I'm a Christian. 
We can check all of the religious boxes and never know Jesus. Because this is what we do with religion. We try to do good things. We try to do things that we think would make God proud of us or make God happy with us. And we think that that brings salvation. But the reality of what the Bible says is it says in the book of Romans that there's nobody righteous, not even one. And so it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how we spend our time throughout the week. If we don't know Jesus, if we've never put our faith in him, then we are lost. And that's the truth about what Jesus is just saying in this passage is that we can do religious things, but if we have no connection to Jesus, if we have no personal relationship with Jesus, if we have never given our lives to him and made that conscious decision, then we're lost. Then we're not true followers of him. And so if you're sitting here this morning and that's how you feel, where you've never made that decision, I've got good news. At the end of the sermon, we'll give you that opportunity. But here is what we need to realize. Is that the gospel is for all people. It doesn't matter how many bad things that you've done. It doesn't matter how many good things that you've done. It's Jesus' death and Jesus' death and resurrection alone. When we put our faith in him and our hope in him, that's where our salvation comes. So many times... We put our hope in our salvation and we think that love from God comes from our good works or religious duties. So many times we think that, you know, if I just give this amount of money to church or to the community or some good cause, then I'll be good. Or if I just serve enough in this area, then God will finally be happy with me and he'll be proud of me and he's going to love me. He's going to let me into the gates. If I just help an old lady walk across the street or help her pick up groceries that, you know, her bag ripped, if we just do enough good things, God will get us into heaven. He'll let us pass. You know, all the things that we've done in our past, he'll say, it's okay because you served this lady. Right? And none of us would probably say that out loud, but that's so many times how we live our lives. We think that the good works that we do are what saves us. But the truth of what the Bible says is that there's no man righteous, not even one. And so all of your sins that you've ever committed will outweigh every good work you will ever do. It's not enough. You need something more than your good works. You need something more than charity. You need Jesus. Works are a false gospel. And so many people are putting their hope and their trust in the fact that they have done good things. But there's another false gospel that I think is running rampant through our world today. It's the false gospel of self-help. Now, here's the, here's the truth. I am all for it. If you want to get up early, budget your money, work out, eat healthier, those are great things, right? Do them. I'm not going to do those things. <laughs> Because I love Jack's Pizza and Mountain Dew, and I love sleeping in. I'm, I'm sounding really lazy and stupid. But, <laughs> but if you want to do those things, I mean, go for it, right? Better yourself. That's great. But don't ever think for a moment that by bettering yourself and becoming a better person or a more well-rounded person is going to save your soul. You can change your habits. You can get better habits. You can become a more productive person. But good, productive people with good habits don't go to heaven. I mean, they do if they put their hope and trust in Jesus, right? But that's not what saves you. 
And so many times we're listening in our world today in this modern day and age with this message of self-help where it's all about bettering yourself and becoming a better person and just being more productive and doing things and cutting out toxic people from your life and all these different messages. But what is this whole message putting into us? That life is about us. It's all about bettering yourself. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. When Jesus says, it's all about me. Self-help tells you to better yourself. Jesus tells you to die to yourself. You have a choice to make. Is life going to be about you or is it going to be about Jesus? Creating better habits does nothing for your soul. Budgeting your money better does nothing for your soul. Rich people go to heaven and poor people go to heaven. People with huge 401ks and people with no 401ks go to heaven. It's about putting your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus. And so what does Jesus say in this passage about getting to heaven? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And so Jesus gives us this huge warning of you can be a false follower of Jesus. You can do a bunch of religious things and it's not enough. And so how do you get there? How do you get to heaven? How do you be my true disciple? How do you be a true follower of Jesus? It's by doing the will of the Father who is in heaven. And honestly, I wish this little sermon that Jesus was preaching was a little longer. And I wish he would have said what the will of the Father in heaven was. Because when I read that, I'm like, awesome. There's the answer. But also, what's the answer, <laughs> right? What is the will of the Father? Well, if we go into the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 23... It says this, and this is God's command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he, as he has commanded us to love. That is the will of the Father. Christianity is not complicated. And thank God it's not. We don't have to rely on our own, on our own works. We don't have to rely on being a good enough person. We don't have to rely on ourselves to save ourselves. It says right here in 1 John 3.23 that we have to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That he is the sinless son of God. He lived on this earth, never committed a sin, went to the cross to pay the punishment of your sins and of my sins. He went into the grave for three days and he resurrected on that third day, showing us that he has power over death and over sin. That sin isn't going to keep him in the grave. Death isn't going to keep him in the grave, but that he has power. He has power over it. That's the message of Jesus. So if you want to live in the will of God, if you want to do the will of the Father, if you want to be a true disciple of Jesus, that's number one. That's step one. But number two, this is where it gets difficult. What did Jesus say? What does First John say? That we would love one another as he has commanded us to love. In other words, we have to have faith and we have to practice our faith. Because we can't just say we're Christians. We can't just say, no, I go to church, so I'm a Christian. I re I've read the Bible, so I'm a Christian. I pray, so I'm a Christian. Or I don't do any of those things, but I'm still a Christian. We have to live out our faith. We have to practice it. I mean, you can say you put your hope and your trust in Jesus, but how can you say that if it doesn't show with your life? We have to practice our faith, and the way that we do that is by loving other people. And this is where it gets tough. It's not complicated, 
but it's hard. Jesus died for your sins. He died to make you righteous. He died so that you would have a place in heaven. But that person that you hate, that person that you envy, that person that you're jealous of, that person that you wish just a few bad things would happen to them, they they won't die, but a few bad things maybe. Those are the people that Jesus died for as well. The gospel is for all people. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. Doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. Doesn't matter what your lifestyle looks like. Jesus came for sinful people. Jesus died for sinful people. You might think you deserve the grace and the love of Jesus. You don't. You might think the person that you hate doesn't deserve the grace and love of Jesus. They don't. Sometimes I live like I deserve the grace and love of Jesus. I don't. We're all sinful. All of us are on the same level, the same playing field. But the gospel is for all of us. That's how we love people. That's how we can truly love people. To understand that we are no better than them. That they're no better than us. And that's freeing, right? We can stop comparing ourselves to other people. We can stop living frustrated lives because we don't have what they have. We can stop being frustrated because every good thing happens to them and nothing good happens to us. We can stop being frustrated because they're tall and I'm not. (laughs) We're all in the same playing field. We are all sinful people from birth and Jesus has come for us all. You want to be a true follower of Jesus? You want to know that you're a true follower of Jesus? How do you love people? Do you love people? Or is everybody else in your life toxic and they're frustrating? Are they annoying? Is the whole world against you? The truth is that Jesus is not. He's not against you and he's not against the people in your life. Be a true follower of Jesus by putting your faith in him and by practicing your faith by loving people. One day there was a man fishing in Lake Superior and a storm came. A storm came and it capsized his boat and he was clinging to a piece of metal in Lake Superior and the waves were crashing over his face and he's obviously going to drown. And so a a boat pulls up as it's on its way to its own dock and sees the man in the water. And so the captain yells down. He says, hey, do you need help? We're here to save you. And he says, no, thank you. God will save me. The boat goes off and it docks and another boat's coming by, coming in from the storm and they stop and say, hey, do you need us to save you? Do you need help? And he says, no, thank you. God will save me. Well, the man dies. He gets to heaven and he says, God, why didn't you save me? He said, I sent you two big boats, you dummy. (laughs) Sometimes salvation is staring at us right in the face. And we miss it because we're looking for something else. We're looking at the false gospel of self, self-help. We're looking at the false gospel of works. We're looking at everything else in the world to give us salvation. But here is what the Bible says. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. Good works sound good, right? It sounds logical. Right, that we're bad people, so we should have to do good things to, to better our relationship with God. It appears right, but the Bible says it leads to death. 
Self-help, right? It, it leads you to, to become a better person. You're more well-rounded. You have, you're better with your money. You get up earlier. You're healthier. You're an all-around better person, right? It doesn't save your soul. The message of the gospel is that Jesus died for your sins and resurrected, and he's giving you an opportunity to live a brand new life. Nothing else in the world can save you. Everything else appears to be right. It sounds good. It tickles our ears sometimes, like, oh, that seems to be the right way. But Jesus is the only way. He says in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. You know, last night I was digging through my crawl space in my house and I was putting up some insulation because our floor is freezing. There's no insulation between our floor and our crawl space, which is not ideal um, for, the, for the bill. But I'm putting up this insulation and I'm trying to shimmy all this insulation through pipes and through wiring and through all these cables that are running across. And I'm looking around at the crawl space and things are just like hanging from the ceiling. Now we have an old house. It was built in 1971 and I don't think it's been touched since 1971 with like the electrical. And so things are definitely not up to code. And you can see that when, you, when you're down there. And there's just wires hanging. There's things that are just like, this is a mess. And I'm looking at this as I'm hanging insulation thinking, I got way more work to do at some point. I'm going to have to fix this. It's hectic. It's crazy. I don't even understand what's going on. I don't know why this is here. I don't know why that's there. I don't know why all this is running this way when it should be running that way. Everything is a mess. But as I looked at my crawl space, I'm looking around, it got me wondering, how many of you feel that same way about your life? How many of you have no peace? You have no contentment. You have no joy. You're sick of running around. And life is just crazy. You're exhausted. And it just seems like there's no end, there's no answer, and nothing can go right for you. But here's the, the, the truth that I thought of. That's the perfect place to be. Because it's when we're at the end of ourselves that we truly can break down, come to Jesus, and he will pick you up and say, son, your sins are forgiven. It's when we come to the end of ourselves, when we're no longer living for ourselves, no longer relying on ourselves, no longer hoping and trusting that our good works will save us or that we can somehow pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we can change our lives, we, we can do it. It's when we come to the end of that, when we realize that it's only Jesus that can save us, that he picks you up and says, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. It's at that moment when we can just completely break down and say, Jesus, you are the only one that's going to be able to pull me out of this mess that I call a life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. And when we come to him, he promises a life of joy and of peace and of salvation. And if you want to make that decision today, like I said, salvation is staring at you in the face today. Don't get to heaven and say, God, why didn't you save me? And if you want to make that decision with me, I want to lead you in a prayer. And all I want you to do is just repeat this prayer after me. But remember what I said about how we can do religious things. But if we don't do it with the right heart, if we're not genuine, if we have no relationship with Jesus, then it's just words and it's just actions and it's, it's meaningless. Prayer can be meaningless as well. And you can say this prayer with me and not change a single thing if you're not genuine, if you don't mean it. But if you are ready today to give your life to him, to follow Jesus, to put your hope and your trust and your future in his hands and not your own, 
But God, I admit that I'm, I want you to say this prayer with me. Let's pray. Father God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've done many bad things in my life. Father, forgive me of my sins. I am placing my life in your hands. I believe in your son, Jesus, in his death and in his resurrection. I believe he died as a payment for my sins. I believe he resurrected from the dead to give me freedom. God, I am asking you to renew my mind. Renew my heart. And renew my soul. Transform me and save me. I trust you, Jesus. Amen. If you made that decision to follow Jesus, heaven rejoices with you. And that's a celebration. Welcome to the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful thing. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to make that decision and just walk out the door and never tell anybody. Our prayer team is down below on both sides, right here by the steps on both sides of our stage. I want you to come forward and I want you to tell our prayer team about the decision that you just made and why you made it. And I want you to to have them pray over you. I'd also like you to do this. At some point during the next, you know, our last closing worship song, I'd like you to pull up the connection card that's in the seat pocket in front of you. Write your name on it. And just right at the top, I decided to follow Jesus. And just leave it on your chair or leave it in the pocket in front of you. Because we want to know if you've made that decision. Because it's so crucial that if you made that decision, that you get together with other people who also be followers of Jesus. We encourage you, we can pray for you, and we can live life together with you. Because that's what it means to be followers of Jesus together. That's what it means to be a church. So let's sing this last song together. Let's worship.